Watch who? And welcome to To Watch Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. And I'm a Doctor Who fan. And I'm new to watching Who. Watching for the very first time. Very first time. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Season 16. Yay. Yay! Listeners, just so you know behind the scenes, we were due to record together last week, but we both felt really ill. So we're both at like the end of being ill. We're still a bit ill, but we're not as ill as we were last week. Is that a fair or are you still as ill as you were last week? Oh no, I'm definitely better than last week, but I'm still feel. I'm, yeah, just tired. I mean, look how tired I am. I look like a mentiad. I look like a mentiad. That's what I look like with no sleep. I feel like my body's gone into hibernation mode. Like it's gone cold. It's gone winter, and it's like you don't need to move this much. Why are you moving? No, yeah, it's definitely hibernation. Yeah, I've, season. I've never felt more like. I'm hibernating in my life than I have right now. Well, we can all hibernate and listen to this podcast, everyone, <laughs> over the winter season. I, I just wanted to, you know how we were talking about like set what I'm watching on the side? Oh, okay. We'll just start off with what Sarah's watching. We'll just go straight to that, skip everything else. What else are you watching? Forget it's a Doctor Who podcast. What else yeah, is going on? Well, I mean, we talk about neighbours enough. <laughs> <laughs> So, what am I watching? The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, yeah, I need to catch up on that. I really need to catch up. Uh, it's out every Sunday. Yeah, so Sundays I've got, like, my new ritual. Um, like, one of them now is I sit there with my tea and watch The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> and then I have a really good bath with a bath bomb and then I go to bed <laughs> early. I get an early night. It's great. And... I've been watching Daria. Did you ever watch Daria? Oh my god! No, I know what you mean, though. Oh my god, it's totally something that you would watch. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I used to watch, like years ago. I found it, and then it was gone. And then the other day, I was just like looking through my Prime, as one does, because I was trying to find like Christmas films that were on. So I've been watching some Christmas films. And Daria is on Prime. And I was like, what a throwback. And I just wanted to share it. I feel like that's sort of in the same sort of 90s-ness as Gilmore Girls. And I don't know, it's that kind of thing, yeah, isn't I, it? I feel it's even earlier because it's like, it's, it's MTV. It's very like of its time MTV as well. When MTV was of a peak early 90s. And Gilmore Girls was more late 90s, early noughties. So this is like, I didn't watch it when it was on. I watched it later. I watched it when I was in uni and I just found it on like early Netflix or whatever it was. So, and I like having something on in the background while I'm working. So sometimes I do podcasts. Perfect. Yeah, I've I've not really ever watched it. I know of it, but I've never sat down and watched an episode. What if I, well, talk about watching things, just bring it back to Doctor Who. My season two Blu-ray turned up today. Ooh. Ooh. So I've started watching a few of the extras on that. So I haven't got to Edith in HD yet, but I will. Yeah, I'm but sure you will. the picture looks amazing. Ian in HD. It's great. <laughs> now, am I right that there are interviews on there with... Yeah. and But it was a few years ago the season two one came out, wasn't it? This is like a re release no this is out like this week 
Oh. So when did they do the interviews with Ian? Was it a few years I ago? I think that was a few years ago. They actually did the interview, but it's only just come out now. I've not watched it yet. I've not seen it yet. Well, Handmaid's Tale and, and Daria then is uh, the That's recommendations for this Handmaid's week. Handmaid's Tale and Daria. There we go. <laughs> we should talk about the key to time and the pirate planet, really, shouldn't we? Really we really <laughs> Oh, actually, quick update. So the Doskers, by this time this comes out, the Doskers would have been out. Uh, our independent adjudicator, Lucas, got in touch. We forgot to actually say the icon of the season of war. <laughs> 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 I swear we would have said it. It was, on my, it was on my notes. It's just not there in the episode. We forgot it. And that was a super long episode as well. And we actually oh, forgot. I think that's my fault. I take full blame for that because we were so cold... And I was getting really snappy towards the end, wasn't I? <laughs> I was. I'll, 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 man. Yeah. I was like, I have to. I have to go and warm up. I'm so cold. So it's probably my fault that Mark forgot because I was so cold, and that's why we've both been ill. <laughs> <laughs> because like, I was like, I can't feel myself, and my bones are cold. We need to go and warm up. Should I just announce it now officially? Yeah. Uh, we'll put out an apolo- apologise to this character, but I'm pretty sure we said it was K9. I honestly can't remember, actually, but yeah, sure. Icon of the season, because I can't find my notes now, but I think I think we, we're happy with K9 being icon of the season. Sure, yeah. I honestly can't remember. Okay, well, it's K9. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember what even we discussed. But who came up in discussion? I think I had maybe Cordo down, maybe Leela, but I can't remember. But I'm sure we we must have discussed it. The trouble is because now we're in this season. I can't. I literally yeah. can't remember any of anyway, last season. It's canine. Well deserved. Well done. <laughs> there we go. It's done. It's, I and I take full responsibility because I kept snapping at Mark, being like, "Next, move on, uphold." So, <laughs> which Mark probably helpfully edited out. I did take um, out quite a bit of that, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's a few times I get hangry. When I'm hungry, I get very hangry. And when I'm cold, I get snappy. (laughs) Well, we're here we go. Pirate Planet. Let's get into it. How did you watch this? One, one, two. Oh, right. You did... I did one episode, then I did one episode, and then I did two. Oh, okay, right. I thought you were telling me you'd only watched the first two then. <laughs> I feel like I did two, and then not three or four. <laughs> <laughs> one, and then one, and then two. <laughs> no, no. Well, I've lost my notes on episode one. I've only got like two, three, and four, so I'm going to have oh, to go my memory, fun. and I did it about a week ago. So, okay, over. let's just start well, overall. It's, again, it's because we were supposed to record this a week ago. And we've just both been ill, so yeah. I started it a week ago and did one. Was like, I ain't finishing this. I'm too ill. I need to watch Daria. Apparently, actually, I think at that point I was watching Poirot. That's where my poorly brain was. But then my fault okay. again. So we've got a sci-fi story. The Doctor and Romana are looking for the key to time number two. Yeah. And we start off we've got the doctor and romana in the tardis and he's got he's got the key to time he's keeping it in a little fridge in a with boots in i don't know if you noticed that at the beginning he's polishing it that's where he's keeping it for safety all the bits of the this ultimate key to time power in a little it's fridge boots. yeah we've not seen the tardis fridge before i like how just generally overall that the doctor and romana 
their relationship is already really great in this because there's that back and forth about the Doctor trying to land and something happens, which is a major part of the story, actually, yeah. later on that they can't materialise properly or they're not materialising where the Doctor says they are. So you've got that sort of back and forth with Romana, who's a bit more sort of smarter uh, and talking back to him and being like, well, you can't steer and all this kind of stuff. So that's a, a nice opening for this. Yeah, I agree. I I thought it was really good, actually. I thought it was a really strong opening. I like that we just sort of pretty much, because we know what's happening, we're just getting in it. Like, we know what they're trying to do, which is find the second key. You can still have that back and forth and banter, but we already know where the story is going, which is this. And that was quite nice. Yeah. Oh, um, quick close watch. What are you thinking of Romana's outfit this time? Because she's getting a different outfit every time now. <laughs> this is the whole white with the pink, isn't it? Yeah. My favourite moment of that outfit was when they were outside, like really jumping ahead now, but I think it was like the third or fourth episode because I watched them together, I don't know which was which. I think it was either the end of the third or beginning of the fourth. And she's walking outside with the psychic people and she's out in like the terrain and she's like in the sand or whatever in those white boots. And I was like, they must have been a bitch. I know, wearing white. Again, that's the second story with white. It's like, it's a dangerous colour for a Doctor Who companion yeah. <laughs> to wear white. Do you think it's, it's a Time Lord thing? I don't know. She's definitely got her own sort of sense of style that we've never seen before with uh, yeah. any companion. I liked it. I liked, like, but I, as soon as I saw it, like, I, cause you don't really see the boots, but they've got like a little heel to them. You know, you see the full outfit there. And I was like, oh, my gosh, she must be, like, hating on those boots and that sand. And while this is going on, we have a little bit of chanty stuff. Now, it's not too bad, but there is that sort of chanty, culty thing going on with, with the mentee It's very ads. small, though, in the scheme. It's not too bad. Um, so this is, so we've got Prelix, who's sort of got a fever and is ill. There's the grandfather, Balatron, uh, and the sister, Mu- uh, Mula. Mula, I think Mula. she's called Mula. Yeah, yeah. And she's the one. I mean, we haven't had sort of bad acting for a while, but I don't know if you remember because pre- pre- um, her brother's like, you know, got this fever and the mentors are trying to get hold of him and stuff. And she's like, why, 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 why must this happen? Did you notice did, that I sort did, of over the top acting? I, she I literally says it. it out. She says it like that. Why, why, why? <laughs> And and she's like, that out. It's all that. So, and then the and the grandfather's like, "Oh, we have got to keep this quiet because obviously they don't. The Mentiads are sort of like a bad thing that we're led to believe." Uh, so you've got all that going. It's quite an interesting how it's unfolding. And also, we're seeing at the very beginning the pirate captain. So that in terms of the pirate planet, I like the idea that it literally is a pirate planet, as it turns yeah. out. Yeah. So, what do you think of the captain? And he's got a little parrot. Do you know what? It was, I really liked how this story unraveled. I think that was probably my favourite element of it because there was a lot of surprise and it set things up nicely because I almost forgot, I mean, I usually forget about the titles until we start doing this, as you know. Like, So I checked that I'm on the right one and then that's pretty much it. (laughs) So I'm going, I'm going. But I think, like, I'd sort of forgotten all that, but I like those little bits of detail. But I didn't think too much into anything at that point. I'm just sort of taking the information. I'm not, like, thinking, 
well, what does that mean? Pirates, like I'm not thinking anything more than what I'm visually seeing and what I'm getting. And I did notice that this was Douglas Adams again. Yes, this is his first, his scripts. Yeah, his first script. I thought the last one was his first script. No, I said last week that this week would be. Oh, that's what it is. Sorry, yes. Yeah. I thought this was his second. But it was really clever. It was a really clever idea. You've got that humour in it. And I like, there's time for it as well. The bit where they land. So the doctor's trying to get hold of the people walking past and they're ignoring him. And then Romana comes over and he's like, oh, excuse me. And then they talk to her and all that stuff. And he gets frustrated. And then you've got that really interesting idea of just these random, like all this valuable jewels and rocks just lying around. And it doesn't mean anything to these people. And meanwhile, Prelix in, I don't know, their houses, in terms of style of this planet, I'm thinking like 1970s Spain hacienda type <laughs> design <laughs> is what they live in. <laughs> Do you know what? It really reminded me the last episode of um, ah, with the trial and... Uh, the trial? The war games? Oh, <laughs> um, oh my gosh, our favourite episode. Keys of Marinus style. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it sort of reminded me of that planet. Like very that felt very similar. It sort of felt like slightly futuristic, but not like not too like the houses and stuff inside. Oh, I suppose, yeah, the houses, that's what I mean. It's like 1970s Spain, basically. It didn't they, the only difference is they've got hovercars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like it it very much reminded me of that sort of set. Can I tell you a quick story about uh, La Hacienda? La Hacienda or Hacienda? What do you call it? Um, there, was... <laughs> there we go. So at uni, there was a, like, a Spanish restaurant, I guess, really nearby called La Hacienda. Um, and my housemate, she really wanted, was looking for a job. Went in there and was like, have you got any waitressing jobs? Uh, and they were like, no, no. And she was like, oh, please. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he was like, okay, fine. Um called her back and was like okay we can give you a trial shift um tonight in like literally a couple of hours um but you've uh we're not gonna we'll we won't get as many staff in and you can come in and do a trial shift for us fine because she like persuaded them was on and on uh and it's like they were like you're definitely gonna turn up aren't you because (laughs) we really need the staff in and we're giving you a chance and she was like yeah and they're like oh yeah by the way can you wear all black which was like fine got off the phone and was like i haven't got any black to wear what am I going to do? <laughs> and this was like a few hours. So she was completely different build to me. And I was like, well, I've got some black trousers you can wear. So she tried to get into these little black combat trousers <laughs> and my black t-shirt. was, And she was like, I can't go in. I can't go in looking like this. This, this, like, I haven't got any black, anything else black to wear. All I've got is your clothes to borrow. <laughs> and I look terrible. So she didn't go and she just didn't turn up. And he was trying to phone her all night. I was leaving loads of messages after all that persuading. I know, yeah. And then after that, it was a big restaurant with like massive like open windows and stuff. And we had to walk past every day to go to uni and back. So after that, every day we had to like duck underneath the windows and stuff, not to be seen by the people in the hacienda. After like, I don't know why I had to as well. It wasn't happening <laughs> to me, but I, I felt like I had to duck as well. Go past la hacienda because they were like really angry uh, it just reminds me of that anyway <laughs> <laughs> every time i hear the word last the end reminds me of that uh anyway yeah uh, so they're living in spain Mark's and almost short-lived clothing career in hospitality right <laughs> i'm sure it would have been all right not to completely wear black anyway 
yeah, I like that between the Doctor and Romana. And Roma- they sort of get separated quite early on because Romana gets arrested, I think, uh, quite early on. Canine's around, out and about, helping out, of analysing things. Um, it wasn't and- a huge canine story, this, though. Uh, fight with the parrot. That's the best robot part. against robot. That is the best part, but that's probably the only part. I mean, uh, do you think the robot parrot was there to go up against K9? They were like, oh, we need to find her. I mean, it's a great idea. No, I think it was just a great, I think it was just a really great concept of like, if you're going to have a, a pirate captain, well, they just call him captain at that point, don't they? But have him look like a pirate with a robot parrot, great concept. And then later have the dog, the robot dog fighting the robot parrot is just brilliant. But that was the best canine moment. What did you think of the cat? I think it's a great look of the captain. Do you think yeah. it was quite over the top? I mean, yeah. he was very shouty. He was very and, um... shouty. And weirdly, it just didn't... Up until later, when you learn more, it just didn't fit in with the rest of the world. Like, I've watched this quite a few times, and I've already thought about it that properly, because the world that they're in and the Mentiads and the villas and everything, and then you've got the pirate captain at the top and it's all quite technological. There's like a big sort of gap between the people down below and the technological people above. And poor old Mr Fibuli, he's like Mr Fibuli, and he's like quite a funny character in a way. Yeah, but oh my God, he gets a stick full, doesn't he, from everyone. But again, I, like, it was an odd one because he seemed nice. He gets a lot of shtick. I'll come. I'll talk about this now. So he must know what's going on, Mister Fibuli. Yeah, yeah. Because actually, Joe, you know, I wrote that down. Part four. So obviously, I like how you've got the nurse. I don't think you even see the nurse in part one. She's very in the background, it's and then really slowly, well comes, done. which is really good because you do not even suspect that at all. You just think it's like this. I think she's sort of helping out the captain as the nurse. It's only like the second episode when she's taking his temperature. I think she's even yeah. there. Yeah, and you have no idea that she's the power behind it. But when that does happen, yeah, I made a note um, that she starts doing the orders in a way and then Mr Fibuli, he sees everything that goes on but just carries on as normal. Captain, sir. Yes. Speak, Mr Fibuli. Uh, The psychic interference transmitter, sir. There seems to be something counter-jamming it. What? We dematerialize in three minutes. All guards on alert. Someone is using a counter-jamming frequency projector. Find it and destroy it immediately. Surely. I mean, because the captain doesn't understand anything. Surely. he And he's the one that must understand what they're doing. At the point, and he's a clever man. At the point where it's becoming clear... You're taking on ship, like you're taking on planets and destroying, literally, like completely destroying whole planets. And his, it's his technology because he's the one that's like telling them what to do, and like he's finding the planets and be like, "Oh, this does this." It's the captain that's giving the orders, but he must have some sort of knowledge to maintain all these things to keep them alive and going. It doesn't really explain. Oh, I think there's a line just to be shouted at by that captain. I just didn't understand that. Is it just because they were people from the planet that have been... Because the captain crash-landed or something. There's a line that says he crash-landed and got helped. But Mr Fibuli and the guards and that, 
obviously Mr. Fibula is not from Spain. But yeah, what is his... What, yeah, what is he doing it for? Is it just because if he doesn't do what he says, the parrot's going to kill them? Because that's what happens. If, it, if they don't get it, the parrot goes up and zaps zaps them. So is or he just is doing it, it out of fear? He's the same... Because she... So this, again, we're really jumping ahead, but let's just sort it now. So the nurse, I thought, was... Like, this is how I've understood it, was the was trying to embody the old woman... No, so the old woman is the queen uh Xanth oh god I'm gonna get done. Yeah, and the, and that is the nurse. The, the nurse is Yeah, protection. yeah, that's what I mean. So yeah. she was trying to transfer from that into this new body. Yeah, she's she right. Was, yeah. Now, do you think she's the same as in her race is the same as Mr. Fibuli? And therefore he knows what she's doing. And support oh, he's it, in on it because, and knows, yeah. And knows but I just don't on. understand why he puts it with. But then, why does he put it with so much potential death and threat from the captain? Well, yeah, because at the end, when she's sitting in the captain's chair and the captain's still shouting, and he's saying to her, "Yes, captain," and then she's like, "No, over there." Yes. I, so. But then if he knew, he wouldn't keep up that pretense and always no. be like, yes, and Captain. and he's not that. under control. It's only the Captain. That was the only sort of... And it's probably one of those flaws that because it's four episodes, you just don't have time to explain it. And therefore, however many 40 years later, here we are trying to explain it. I don't know how. I mean, I've never talked about Mr. Fibula so much. I think this episode... <laughs> The motivator, motivation of Mr. Fibula. I don't have thought about him that much, but he's a, a strange one in the middle of it because with everyone else, because what's his name? The friend that ends up helping the doctor, um, Chemus, he's like the younger guy. With it. He's like, that's our, when he sees the old lady, he's like, oh yeah, that's our queen. I thought she was dead. So they, there's that history there that they know who, who it is. But he's never seen that, he's never been on the bridge before, whereas Mr. Fibula. Surely he's been everywhere because he's the engine. He must have to be everywhere in order to give these stats and be the engineer and say when things are broken and try and fix them. And he must know to some extent. But then also how to throw work. in the captain was sort of going a bit rogue because you know when he had all those planets in his like little planet museum thing, there was a line about oh he's he's been doing that on the side kind of thing, his own thing. I or think. Something. I think it's sort of like because there was a point when he said something and then she pushed a button and he did what he was told. Yeah, so she's controlling him with her little. But I think he still. I think it's like he still has thoughts and control, but she can also control him. Yeah. So the sort of dynamics there are a bit complicated, aren't they? If you got which you just can't. You know, if you had a book. Or you had more time, you could probably go into a little bit more. You can't do it in four, and so we just have to take on face value what we're seeing. But it's great that you think, oh, here we go. Here's shouty leader of the week, pirate, and then later on, it's just completely he's the puppet behind it all. We like it's a bit of a re- twist it's a really like good twist because I I thought like. I couldn't understand. I thought I couldn't understand why they were keeping it alive. I thought maybe it was going to be something like he was actually 
her son and he was the rightful heir or something like that. That's why he was keeping her alive. But it's, it was a very, it was a great twist. Not something we've had before that I'm aware of. Not like that. Not something like that. And the idea of this planet moves around and crushes and gets other, and they're little bits of the planet. It's such it's a great such big a concept. It's such a idea. And it's really cl- Because also, like the doctor said, it's like, you know, sometimes he says things and you're like, well, is it? And he says this is probably the most like terrible thing that we've ever witnessed. And you think about it and you're like, it probably is. Because like these planets just no longer exist. It's kind of like, um, in in our own wildlife, when we literally we've hunted animals to death, or we've you know it's the same sort of thing. And when they're gone, they're gone. And this thing is just going around taking it, but killing everything that it exists from. All and then the last thing is it's going for Earth, isn't it? And he's like, but there's that's you, isn't it? <laughs> but there's so many people that live there. You know, that's the final trick of him to have to actually take action and take risks to do something. Uh, yeah, and as we go on, Rom- Romana meets the captain first in episode two when she's captured. But shes a, it's like a scene with a doctor. This is the difference with Romana being a time lady. She knows all the technology and it's like when she's having those sort of talkbacks and those lines back to the captain and being clever, just as good as the doctor, which is brilliant, I think, which we haven't had anybody... We've not able to do that before. I, th- I think the only flaw that I saw at this point was because she doesn't understand world, she almost says too much. Yeah, she's not streetwise in that. She's way. not in any way streetwise. Whereas, like, so she's kind. Of, she just says like, "Well, we live it. We're here, and we do this." And like, she doesn't know anything about them. She doesn't know who's good or who's bad because she's no street cred at all. Outside, we do see some. So the Mentiads are sort of on their way. The Mentiad story only gets going really towards the end. It's all a bit it's like of the third annoying. Episode. Yeah, they're all just sort of these. It's good that they think they're a. We think they're a threat of something else, but they don't get explained till later on. And actually, they. Turn I think out it good. was a cliffhanger to two. I want to say. Um, well, that's well. That's where they go down into the lift, the big pit in Wales. <laughs> they go in the lift. And you've been there. <laughs> yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. They're out in over the hills and the valleys in Wales as well, walking across. Um, yeah, and it's only at the end because that's the cliffhanger because the Gentiads are like, we found you. And you think, oh, they're in danger because they've just met. But actually, it's it's not it's not that at all. So it's nice that it's in real caves. Shame they couldn't do real caves when they went down to Underworld. Obviously, they've got the budget now to do it. Luckily, that's not all set at CSO this time. Makes a huge difference. And actually, that filming down there is great. The lighting, it's very dark. It's very atmospheric. That helps the story as well, I think, that you actually see this, the actual caves, and they, and they say it's this sort of... And there's the idea that there's this planet underneath the planet. I thought that... I thought, actually... And I know we are jumping around a little bit here, but I thought all of that was done so well. And I liked that we meet them and you quickly understand that the threat isn't the threat or how they could think it was a threat. Like, it's so clever as a story. It's such a clear, simple idea. And then I, I, so part of me even thinks, like, where did it start? Did it start with the idea and then they worked out how they'd cover up the idea? Or did it start with, like, it started with, like, what the plan would be and then it was how would it work? Like, I, it's so, because also I think in understanding, I'd love to know how this was sort of, 
put together as an idea because I think that would also answer some of these weird questions we have as to like, well, did he know that? Did he, did they not know that? Because I didn't actually 100% get why the Mentiads were the Mentiads. I thought they were some like chanty cult thing. And I was like, well, and then it actually does explain the power that they get is because of these planets being crushed or is creating some extra energy. And then there's these people that are more susceptible to that on the planet. Why they have to be the Mentiads and wear robes and go around chanting, I'm not exactly sure. Um, and what they I have been doing. Just, well, and also it, it sort of hinted at like every time this happens, they're in great pain. Yeah, it's not like they they want, decide, well, they're they not bringing it on Millions them. of people are dying every time and they're like, ah, oh, and you're sensing that. So, yeah, it's their senses of this, there's something not right going on. Um, and I suppose they're ganging together to use their power to, you know, cause a bit of a revolution. It's the same, you know, maybe it's the same yellow that everyone wore in the Sunmakers. Maybe that's why I'm not, I don't know if I'm fond of that shade <laughs> of yellow. <laughs> maybe it's the same costumes repurposed. It probably but it's, is. <laughs> if there's a revolution, you've got to wear that yellow, apparently. Uh, <laughs> but talking about the location stuff, there's also when they go to the engineering room, that's, that's in like a sort of nuclear power plant place yeah um so i'm just going to read you a bit from mary tam's book Romana, where she says about the filming of the pirate planet our first location was at berkeley nuclear power station which loomed menacingly on the horizon in the middle of nowhere the interiors uh, which the director had chosen to represent the captain's engine room in the story were particularly spectacular with cavernous ceilings and aptly complicated looking machinery we were all a little nervous about entering this nuclear facility as we were old enough to remember the cuban missile crisis and the subsequent screenings of dire warnings about nuclear power and its side effects we had to be screened very thoroughly before and after entry and had to scrub ourselves in a shower in case of any atomic particles adhering to our persons. We joked about lighting up in the dark, but no one seemed to suffer any after effects, thank goodness. Well, not that I know of anyway. I was relieved to leave this location and look forward to another jolly evening in yet another hotel bar. The unit bus took us to Gwent, uh, where a great time was had by all, before setting off to our second location the next day, the Danny. Ogof Caves near Abacaf Abacaf Powers Powers uh, yeah Powers I don't know the caves were dark cold damp and smelly there was nowhere to change so I had to nip behind a tree with the costume designer's assistant and struggle into the tight white trousers and thigh high white boots which looked great on but took about half an hour to get into another stunning costume but so uncomfortable Still, it was worth it to get the positive feedback from the fans, I think. <laughs> we seemed to be down in the caves forever. I did not tell anyone that I suffered from a mild form of claustrophobia when underground. I had to hastily leave a gold mine in South Africa when I was being given a guided tour once. I was feeling slightly uneasy here too, though, and tried to distract myself uh, with gazing at the spectacular stalactites and stalagmites that filled the cathedral-sized spaces. They were like nothing I'd ever witnessed. I had seen some in my home county of Yorkshire, the caves in Knaresborough. Yeah. Uh, but these were on a much bigger scale. Uh, filming over, I clambered thankfully back above ground, stripped off behind the tree, now under pouring rain, and asked the costume assistant where the next day's location was. A coal mine, she chirruped back. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, and then she says about going to the big pit. Um, yeah, but she didn't really like going on the uh, underground stuff. Uh, so, um, 
Yeah, no, she says some quite positive stuff in her book. Uh, and she says, all in all, I think the pirate planet worked well, given the ambitious story and the limited time, the money we had in those days. However, although I had fun working on it, it is not my favourite story to view. The storylines are disjointed and never seem to cohere. I still feel confused when I watch it, as I did when I had to do the DVD commentaries, for example, and I find the plot difficult to follow. Many fans love this story, however, as they did the whole Key to Time series. Uh, the quest of finding the segments became a challenge to watch as viewers guessed what object, place or person the new piece would be represented by. Oh, so that's interesting. So Mary Tam didn't like it as much. Um, yeah, but I can understand what she means because, again, you're trying to like, especially as an actor, I guess you're trying to work out where you allegiance is, where you... and. We've got questions watching it. Like, where do they sit? Where? What did they think of that? Um, well, as we go into it, I felt like part three was the more Paddy um, episode. There was a lot of back and forth. There was some nice stuff. You know, the the idea with the corridor. Yeah, I like they... I liked three because it was a change. Because up until that point, that's when we met the. That's when we really learned about the. Um, the planets nurse. and the nurse and the planets and everything and the yeah. nurse and we meet the things and we learn about them being psychic and actually not evil and all this like i quite liked that one the best bit in that bit is when the captain and the doctor have their shouty scene together and the doctor proper shouts that's a great bit of acting tom baker is still being amazing even though there's all that humor and he does that well oh did you notice as well on his he's sort of got like a yes! cut on his lip yeah, yeah. He actually had that a bit last week in the rebus operation. So what happened? There was um, he got bit by a dog. Basically, it was at a pub, and it got, and he got bit by. So they tried to put makeup over the top of it in that very first scene. You know, I think there's a bit, and he they wrote it in where he like bangs his face on the console when they're just about to crash land in the part one. They wrote it in, and he goes like that. He puts his hand over his lip, and that was to cover up the fact that he got bit by a dog in real life. And so he's it's quite prominent though in this. It is, yeah. I Lucas, I didn't spot that, like the console bit, but it was probably maybe the second one, and I was like, "What's that? Has he got food on his mouth?" And I was like, "Has he got a cold sore?" I was like, "No, they do something about it if you have cold sores." Like, so no, yeah, I did having to put that. loads of makeup on it, like tons of it. Um, that's that's a good moment though with Tom Baker and the captain up against each other, yeah. and it's a nice idea because there's then in that one they say about the sort of psychic. There's a machine that uses psychic ability or whatever, and then the doctor has to walk the plank, which is quite a good idea, and it, then it turns out not to be. And then that idea then feeds into the fact that the queen and the nurse queen, she's a hologram thing. So it's not it doesn't come out of nowhere because we've already been introduced to that idea as a psychic thing with the fake doctor. If you see what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. It's very cleverly is put together, and then it feels like it's all over when the Mentiads. Oh, they use the span. I like the idea that they just, <laughs> it just the spanners float. I like when he like, went hit it. And like, yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite line. He's like, what else do I do? Just hit it. Boom. That's great. Um. Oh, but oh, poor K nine runs out of batteries and yeah. uh, has to be plugged in. Let's say it just poor wasn't a great K nine story. He went off with what's her name? I mean, she didn't do much in the end. Um, Moola. <laughs> it sort of was with Moola a lot going across the Welsh countryside. But I for really quite a while. liked. I really liked um, the other the guy that was with them. Oh uh, yeah, so he ended up being the main one, was it? Um, Chemus. Chemus. Um, I thought he yeah, was really he was, good. 
he was good because he wanted to go along with the doctor. He was like the doctor's companion, and then the doctor made him stay behind and guard it. And I did like the idea that effect of that corridor. It's not just walking down a corridor. It's like I don't know, flying down a it corridor. Reminded me of, nice. Again, going a little bit to the sixties again, but some of the like more effects of things like that that we did used to have. It reminded it's me. It's got a, a really good mix. It's got. Like, the sets are great, actually. He's still a little bit cheap, but you've got a good amount of location, great characters, great concept. It's got a bit of everything good, and the humour as well. It's got all of that wrapped up. I think so... it's a pretty... Like, it, for four, it's a really solid story. I didn't feel there was much padding. I know you mentioned that three, but actually a lot happened in three that really moved it along. Padding for me is always like, that scene did not need to exist. <laughs> <laughs> no, and you can't really say that much of of this. I feel it's an easy watch. It felt a bit shorter than four, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And we didn't actually see them get the uh, bit of key to time at the end of this one. No, we didn't. It was a bit of a planet, wasn't it? And they were going to go and collect it later when it was floating in space. So we'll trust that they've done that. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought that as well. I was a bit like, oh, I haven't missed something. Because, in fact, to the point where I started the next episode, I didn't watch it. I just got the um, do-do-do-do-do-do, and I was like, Oh, wait, hang on. I'm on another episode. They haven't got it. Like, stop. So I've literally got to the logo. <laughs> I was like, stop. I love the bit where, in all of these stories, where they get the little tracer, and it's usually Romana's like, right, we're off. We're going to go and get this bit of... And I like where they're trying to find it with the detector. I, that's my favourite bit of these stories. Like me trying like, to find my keys gonna... nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, they should make a tracer. I think you can get a replica, but it... Detects your keys or your phone. Connect, well, I mean, I've got a tile, so I push a yeah. button and it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got my yeah, phone yeah. Cool. thing and it beeps. Yeah, well, you do that. Just build that into a tracer, and that's your. Thing. I mainly do it the other way around, though. I don't lose my keys as much as I lose my phone, as you know. So I use the tile to locate my phone more than I use the phone to locate my keys. So yeah, good, a successful one. I think so. Yeah. Oh, I don't really have much else, really. We sort of went through the note. We sort of went through the story in a weird order, but... We always say this, though. When it's a good story, it's a lot hard. They're usually shorter mm. from us because it's yeah. a lot harder to critique things. And yeah. And things are good. They're good. Well, the next story is four, and it's called The Stones of Blood. Oh, okay. And it's the 100th Doctor Who story. Oh! Which means it's been the 100th Doctor Who story that we've talked about. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm really liking it as an idea. I'm really enjoying it. It allows you to really explore different universes in a different way. You know, I'm I'm still waiting for like the really big bad guy to come that they talked about in the first one. Or oh, the Black Guardian. Yeah, exactly. Like that that's a constant concept that's living on. Hmm, exciting. Yeah, I think <laughs> right. I think it's a really good idea. Well, I think that's everybody's very happy with your opinion on that. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I think I find it. I don't think people will disagree that these are great stories. I don't think I know anyone that doesn't like the key to time. So, uh, and when it came out on DVD, it came out in one whole box set. Oh, I bet. Yeah, it makes sense. But I mean, of course it did because it is. It, I guess, in the same way that Flux was in the recent lot. Ooh, name checking yeah. Flux. Check me out. Mm-mm. Yeah. She knows. She knows what yeah. she's talking about. I know. 
Um, but in the meantime, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Two Watch Who. Uh, thanks everyone for your support and your comments. And you can follow us on buymeacoffee.com forward slash Two Watch Who. And we will see you next week for The Stones of Blood. Oh, do you know what? I didn't do an intro. Uh, it's fine. Did I? Because we were talking about other stuff. It's fine. Yeah. We were ill. Oh, well. Here we go. What would it have been? Tell us. I don't know. I was trying well, to think what would it have been. <laughs> that sums it up. What would it have been? I think we'd have been... just been on that corridor. Oh. Yeah, I was, I was doing a Mentiad face then. Ah, oh, the Mentiads are coming. The Mentiads I, are coming. I just wanted why, to be on the really why, fast why? corridor. Okay we'll, go, okay, we'll go out on a fast corridor then. Are you ready? I'll press yeah, the button. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. See you next week, everyone. Bye! Yeah. <laughs> 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 to watch who?